Welcome to the Parkway Live Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I've had you, we've had you standing so long that, that uh, you need a foot massage, but uh, I want to do, do a, read a couple texts before you sit down today, uh, if, you, if you'll do that with me. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, you're like, oh, not again, not again. He's in Matthew 16 again, but, but third week, last week, the last week of Make Your Mark, Make Your Mark, and what we've been doing through Make Your Mark is we wanted you to, uh, we wanted you to find out, hey, where, where have I been? That's why we had that little boy up here, kind of that, you know, putting that mark on the wall. Where, where have I been? Where am I now? And where am I going? And I, I like that where, I'm, where am I going because there's hope in that. There's hope in that, and I love that. And so we want you to make your mark, and I've been working the Scripture over. Matthew 16, verse 18. If you want to catch up with us, listen to the rest of the series. This has been a very impactful series for our church. You can do that and look on Facebook and, and look at one of our past services and catch up with us. Matthew 16, 18. I, hey, y'all read it with me. Y'all want to do that? Let's read it together. Ready? One, two, three. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Oh, I love that, man. That's, that's a promise. That's a promise right there. It's a promise. So, so stay standing. i got one more verse for you. But the praying church has been empowered, and we've learned that through the last few weeks, has been empowered to pray in ways that stops what hell's Gates, or we found out that gates mean like his government or his power. What his gates are trying to set up in the earth, he's saying, I'm going to give the church power, right? I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's not going to happen, baby. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So, Let's go to the next verse, and then I'm going to let you sit down. You ready? 16, 19. Here we go. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth Give your neighbor a high five and say, man, I got power within me. Power within the church. You may be seated. You may be seated. If you're a first-time guest today, we're incredibly happy to hear that you're here. If you're not a first-time guest and you're a Parkway lifer to the core, we're glad you're here. Both sides of you, we want you to taste something so good. I went to a restaurant. I was in Houston last night, and uh, I went to a restaurant. Y'all don't freak out. It was called Flower Chow. My God, it was good. It was, it was a bunch of healthy eating, but it was good. It was good. And, and I had uh, some sauce on my meal there. I don't know what it was. I didn't ask. But it was good. And, and I had that, kind of got that taste like, I got to go back there. I've, I've got, it, it gave me a taste that I wanted to go back and get some more of it. I hope today's church, like it is every weekend, is so good 
that you can't wait to get back. You're going, I just got to taste some more of that. And luckily, luckily, this don't happen very much. You can do it tonight. We're going to worship the house down tonight. We have a night of worship. Going to be a blast. If you're a part, man, you want to be here tonight. Our teams have practiced, prepared. They're going to be here at 3.30 today, all day getting ready for it. Come on, let's fill this house. Bring a guest. Wonderful time. Wonderful time to fill this house and have worship. So God richly bless you, and uh, I want the Lord to speak to you in a powerful way today through this Make Your Mark, this last part of this series. I, um, I've been talking a lot about binding things and loosing, loosing things and, and that God gives us the power. He calls on earth to get involved with heaven, and what heaven is already loosed, we're to jump in a part of that and loose it on the earth. He really, really trusted the church in a big way to, for us to get involved with prayer. And we've been involved in 21 days of fasting and prayer, and that's why we're having a night of worship tonight to just celebrate that. And, but, but, but through all of this, we, we find out that our, our prayer makes such a difference. It's so, it's so powerful. And, and when we think about binding, the first thing that comes to your mind, hang with me because you hadn't heard me preach this yet, and this whole binding, loosing thing. But when we think about binding, the first thing that comes to our mind and kind of what we've been preaching is kind of that thought of, of tying something up. So when you think of binding on earth what has already been bound in heaven, you're kind of thinking about tying up something here or containing something in that manner. And although that is a great representation of the Scripture here, you've you, you got to hear this. Turn around somebody say, you ain't ready. All right, that's, that's good old Southeast Texas lingo. Binding is not limited to our, con con to our conception of something just being tied up. It is also based on the concept of a binding contract. Stay with me. You can hold a contractor. We have a number of contractors in this room today. And when they go into business with someone, they, they draw up a contract. And we all sit down and we sign the contract so that there are no untold things through the process. In other words, the, the owner, say if it's at a house and they're remodeling a house, the owner is saying, hey, this is what I want done. And the contractor says, I'll do it. And the owner says, good, I'm into it, I'm, well, let's, let's sign this on the dotted line so there's no, there's no misconceptions in this process, and that's the way we're going to work this. And you can hold a contractor to a contract because the terms are binding. <laughs> They're binding. But by the same token, token this will only happen if the customer, so, so say I'm the, I'm the guy there at the house or, or we're remodeling the church or whatever it may be, it will only happen if the customer insists on the clauses of the contract. So if I, if I just get in there and I don't even pay any attention and I walk up and I sign the contract and I walk out and I don't even, even pay any attention. I remember when I was building my house many moons ago, I came in the back and the, the bricklayer had laid the brick and it wasn't anybody in the church, so... But I laid the brick on one of the columns in the back, and it was just messed up. And I walked out, and I said, bro, I hate to tell you to do this, but that is, I can't bear to look at that for the next 30 years. 
And he had to tear all that part down, that column, and rebuild that column. What was I saying? Bro, we got a contract here. You, you, got, to, you got to do better than that. We got, and, I'm all, and I'm focused on it. I'm, my attention is on it. I'm watching it. And due to that, I'm going to hold you to the standards that I have set. So my passion, my persistence, and my focus is in the details of what's been laid out in the contract. So, so if something goes neglected, I can step in and hold them and hold their feet to the fire. And so I want the project to be finished as it ought to be. And according to the will of the one who owns it. <laughs> can I just stop and say this? In this world that we are living, and I believe everybody agree with me here today, even if you're not a Christian today, you will believe this. In this world that we are living, Satan is trying to construct things that are totally out of line with God's blueprint for what God wants on this earth. Can I get a witness to that? I mean, you absolutely know that is not God's will. That, that God wouldn't like that. That is against what's been laid out in the contract. But guess what? We are the church of the living God. And we, the church, are the on-site observers occupying until the owner returns. We're the ones. We're the ones saying, no, nah, that's not how it's drawn up. That's not what the book says. That's not the way it's supposed to be. You see what's going on in this family? Hear me right here. What's going on in this family? That's not of God. What's going on in this relationship? That's not of God. What's going on in this situation? The way he's tear, tearing away apart young people, well, the way he's doing this and that. Hey, 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 hey. We're the on side observers that says, hey, 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 hey. Devil, devil, not today, devil. Uh-uh, that can't happen like that. My God has set out in the contract. He bought this thing with his own blood. He signed it with his own blood. It's not going to happen. And we, the church, stand up and say, not to devil, today devil, and we do it through the power of our prayer. Persistent, and we're focused. That's why we pray this prayer. And Jesus taught us to pray it. He says, thy kingdom, thy Man, y'all got it. That's why we pray that prayer. We're saying, hey, 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 hey. God, listen, this is where it works. Here, 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 tidy. God, I'm holding you to the contract. It's a binding contract. So it's not just this conception of tying something up, but it's also holding God to the contract of what he's already bound in heaven to be bound here. And what has already been loosed in heaven to be loosed here. Is this connecting with anybody? So I, as a church, he gave me the power to say, hey, God, I need you to do something here. What you've bound in heaven, I'm holding you to the contract for you to step in. What's going on in my life, I need you to come down here, and I need you to do your will in this situation. That, my friend, will change your prayer life. It'll change your prayer life if you start praying. In fact, let's do it right now. Will you mind staying with me again? We're just staying. I'm on, we're going to go into a, a, a prayer that's going to be on the screen for you that I want you to pray out loud with me. And I want you to pray it with like a preacher would pray it.
like Pastor Keating would pray it. Get a little gusto. Blow things out of both nostrils. You know what I mean? Here we go. You ready? Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus, what you paid for at the cross is not being done on earth. Let your ruling power flow through my prayer to accomplish your will. As your agent assigned to this case, I say, stop the adversary's advance. According to Calvary's terms, I bind the enemy from success. I loose on earth what you have already loosed in heaven. And somebody said, in Jesus' name, amen. That's all right. Give the Lord a praise. Amen. Amen. You start praying that prayer and see if you don't make a mark. You start praying that prayer and see if it doesn't start affecting your family. You start praying that prayer and say, God, I want freedom to be released in this family. It's your will that freedom's in my house. And God, we claim it. I want you to start walking through your house with your kids and the, when they're going to school. This is what my mama did. Walked into my bedroom and started binding up things. And the Lord, man, and that wasn't good when I got home because the Lord started speaking to her. But started binding up things, and, and my mom, I'm throwing this in, this is free. She came into my bedroom, she called me, I came home from school, and she, she said, hey, Nate, I want you to come upstairs. And I, oh, God, oh, God. What, that was, and she had that look like I've been talking to Jesus look. By the way, parent, you need that look, and that only comes from talking to Jesus. And, 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 and they walked up in my bedroom, she said, she said, son, something's coming out from your radio that is trying to get a hold of you. Now, my mama wasn't freaky. She wasn't spooky. There wasn't a devil behind every door. Do you understand what I'm saying? But she said, something's coming out of here. And what she didn't know is she didn't know what I'd been listening to outside. And there was something coming out there that was trying to grab. Come on, I was in the 80s, people. We had the best music. And so, man, I had jump. You know, we had, we, we had, hey, you who said that, baby, I know how you feel. We had Black Sabbath. We had, we, you know, we, 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 had, we, had, we had the Rolling Stones running around there with his little tennis shoes. We had all kinds of things. But there was things reach a blue oyster cold. Things were trying to grab hold of my spirit. It was in that day, and the, and the heavy metal and the stuff. It was trying to grow. And mom said, that son, I'm going to tell you why you was at school today. I bound that stuff, but I'm loosened in the name of Jesus, a different spirit in you. And I was going, I, I didn't tell her what I've been listening to, but I talked to, I talked to God. And we got some things straightened out, and I'm preaching to you here today. And I'm not in a rock band. God's good, isn't he? Get involved. Get involved. You've got power in your prayers. Come on, dad, mom, grandma, grandpa. Use the power of your prayer. Hold God. To, let me say this. God wants your family saved. No, no, no. I'm serious. God wants your family saved. It's the will of God. I'm going to show it to you in Scripture. You may be seated. So it is His power, but our participation through prayer. So I want to show you a couple things that are will of God. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. Are y'all enjoying listening as much as I'm enjoying preaching? Because I'm enjoying preaching. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. I want you to look at this. It says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications and prayers. I, I need you praying, church. I need you praying. Supplication, prayers, intercessions. 
If you're not in prayer for us, man, that's a good one to, to learn about. That life group's great to learn about and learn how to be an intercessor. Intercession and giving of thanks be made for a few people. And when it speaks of men here, normally when it speaks of men in these kind of situations, it's talking about mankind. So it's not man or women. It's mankind. And so, and giving thanks be made for all men. There's no exclusions here. Say it's God's will that we pray for everybody. All right? Got it? For kings. I'm going to say government. All that are in authority. That's presidents and senators and city council members and judges. And we're praying this. Amen? Why do we need to pray for them? So we can lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. Because if not, if not, they will drive us to drinking. Are you with me? we got to pray for them. We, we're fussing about stuff, but we're not praying for stuff. We're fussing about things in the hallways of our life, but we're not praying for the things that are in authority. And God said, if you want to take power back over this deal, the power is not in the wrap of the gavel. The power is in the kingdom and that, that has a, it's not in principalities. I mean, excuse me, it's not in earthly blood and the things that are around you, but it's in principalities and power. We're fighting against things right now. And the church has got to stand up. For kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life and all godliness and honesty. Look at this next verse. For this is good. I like, I, like it. I like that right there. For this is good. Man, that's good. I like that. God's saying, I like that. For this is good and what? Acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. I want you to look at this. It's His will. You want to know what His will is? It's His will. And who will have what? Who will have and you're about to get a glimpse of what God's will always, always is, who will have all men to be saved. God's will is always that all men come to repentance. It's His first will. You don't have to pray, God, I don't know about them. I don't know if you want to save them or not. No, no, no. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. He wants that. That is always His will. But God... God has ordained boundaries. Hear me when I say this. God has ordained boundaries. And, and, and He sets up boundaries. And unless someone prays, Satan will try to violate the boundary line. So if this is the, if this is the boundary that God set up, the Satan is constantly trying to go across the boundary line. And like I said earlier, I think all of us would agree, the enemy is way past the boundary line because the church has lost its muscles. And we have to say, God, I'm holding you to the contract, that, the boundary line that you have set. And so, God, I'm asking, we're going to have a binding contract here because I am, I am noticing, I'm focusing, I'm looking at it, and I'm involved in the process, and I'm saying, God, this is not the way you want it. And so I'm asking what you've loosed in heaven to be loosed on earth, what you've bound in heaven to be bound on earth. I need you involved. I need you to get this, Lord. And, and so we are pointed to monitor the situation for God as heaven's ambassadors. 
He's put us here. See, I'm trying to, what, I'm, what I've been really trying to get at through this series is the power for you to recognize the power of your prayer and the power of the church's prayers. And so I'm going to go into a little different stage of this, and I really hope a lot of what I've preached so far, you're kind of saying, yeah, it's a different thought, different way to look at it. That's, that's cool. I like the binding contract to deal, but I want to do something to really put some wheels on this thing, okay? Because I'm closing out the series. I really want to put some wheels on this. So what things do I have the right to bind up? That's what I want to know. What things, in other words, what has God already bound up that I don't even have to pray about? I just, and, and God, is this your will or not? There are some things I just know, God, that's your will, and I'm going to prayer to bind that thing that's trying to attach. Okay? Are you all ready? I don't think you're ready because this is not a fun list. I mean, it's got some, got some stuff in it, okay? Here we go. So he makes it easiest, easy for us to know what his will is on what we're to bind up. First of all, before I go into the, the list, I want to read Galatians 5. And I want to slow down and read this because you've got to get this, okay? Got to get this. And I know this is some serious Bible study. In fact, I'm going to sit down, okay? Get real calm, right? You got you to hear this. But I say, look at this, let this, let this verse speak to you. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you're walking in the Spirit, you're not going to gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. We have this war between the Spirit and the flesh. All right? Everybody say war. For these are opposed to each other. They don't like each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. Paul, I'm going to tell you, there's so much good in that right there. So your spirit is going, man, I want to do this. And your flesh is going, ah, ah, ah. And there's a wrestling match there in your families and your marriages and your raising kids and your living for God, everything, your job, everything. There's this wrestling match. And you spirit-filled Christians, if you're a spirit-filled Christian today, there's this, the spirit has come in there to do a work. So let's find out what these are. Let's find out what God absolutely is not His will of things that come up in our flesh. Are you ready? This is the one you're not ready for. Here we go. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Ah, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Sensuality. Idolatry, that's putting anything ahead of God. Sorcery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness orgies and then it stops right there and says 
Okay, I've made a big list, but are you getting the point? And it says, and things like these. Because you go, oh, my issue's not listed. (laughs) And things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Everybody say this. Those things are not his will. I absolutely know God's drawing a line and saying, you want to know what my will is in this thing? Those are not my will. But how many can say, and you don't have to lift your hand, that the devil is constantly trying to go across the line on those things. Come on. And we as the church have go, ooh, I'm sensing some of that. I'm sensing some of that in my family. I'm sensing that in my kids. I'm sensing that in my life. I'm sensing some burst of anger. I'm sensing, I'm sensing some enmity. I'm, I'm sensing some strife. I'm sensing some jealousy. And God's saying, ding, 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 ding. The alarm's going off. Whoop, 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 whoop. And he does it through the power of your conscience. And all of a sudden you go, hey, 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 hey. This is a point where i got to lean into God and say, God, you and I have a contract. You don't want that, and it's trying to attach itself to my life. I feel it, and so I need you to help me. I'm leaning into you on the binding side of this contract to, by the grace and help of God, help me with what's trying to cross the boundaries in my life. People, that's good stuff right there. It's good stuff. So, if we're going to look at that and we automatically know that that's the will of God, then what is, or what is the, the good side of this thing? And this is where we get into something, oh my goodness, we could stay here for a whole series. Are you ready? But the fruit of the Spirit, this is next verse. In other words, he goes, that's not my will. Hey, 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 hey. This is my will. And watch how each thing has another side of what the things we just mentioned. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. I figured we'd let, let you read that one. Against such things, there is no law. But I love that. And then watch this. He goes into this. He says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus, uh uh-oh, he comes back to this flesh deal. And those who have belonged to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. So that first list I've crucified myself, my flesh, to those things with its, with its passions and its desires. Because my passion and desires want to push me to this. But look at this. But if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep and step with what the Spirit is doing in our lives. Man, are we having a little Bible study here today or what? I hope you're learning something today. 
Now, now I want to tell you something. I, I don't know that I knew. I probably did, but I had forgotten or something. I'm going to give myself the credit. I have done series on the fruits of the Spirit. It's not the fruits. It doesn't say that. It says the fruit of the Spirit. And you say, what's the big deal? Fruits, fruit. No big deal to me is a big deal. Because if it's fruits, I go, I like bananas. I like apples. I don't like strawberry. That's not true, but anyway, strawberry. You see what I'm saying? I pick and choose like a coin collection. That's not what it says. It says, hey, when the Spirit comes inside of you, it's one fruit. Whoop. And you get it, and the fruit comes in, and you don't go, no, not today. I'm not patient, not taking that one. They all come in. And there's nine, here we go, nine attributes that a Christian, spirit-filled Christian, lives out in your life to bring the seed to full growth of maturity in your life. So you have patience in you if you're spirit-filled. You have all of these different wonderful attributes that the Spirit says, I kicked out all that other stuff, and here comes the fruit, baby. And you're not going to pick and choose. We're coming in. We're coming in the house. Woo, got some work to do here. I need a little love over here. I need a little, oh, my God. God, do you need joy? I need some joy over it. And, and it all fills the house. And some of us jump in on one category and boom, we abound in love. But all the time we look, walk through the mall like we've lost all our joy. The joy is still in the house, but love has matured quickly in your house. But joy is still in there, but you can't find it because you still got it in seed form. Is this too tough of preaching? So, the Spirit wants to explode in all of these beautiful attributes in your life. It's kind of like a light coming into a prism, and, and when it busts through the prism, it busts out into a rainbow of colors. That's what the Spirit does. It comes into your life. That's why it's so huge that you be Spirit-filled. But the Spirit comes into the light. It's called the fruit of the what? Spirit. The Spirit comes into your life, and it goes, boom. And it starts just moving and blowing up and touching and making and turning things with bringing life, bringing, bring color where it's a black and white situation in your life. It starts bringing life and love and spirit and wonderful. All these things he starts adding in up in your life. And so the spirit would never say, okay, listen, we're going to take two of these and we're going to work on those in 2020. And we're going to bring, leave the seven out in 2020. We're going to get these two. No, no, no. They're all in the house. And so everything you live out in life, your trials, your tribulations, your good, your bad, God says, boom, 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 boom. Spirit's up in the house. All things work together for the good to them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. I got all nine here, and through this story in your life, I didn't even do that to you, but I'm going to take what has been done to you through the power of life and the roughness of life, and I'm going to make these nine start growing up in your life, and I'm going to build something absolutely beautiful up in your world. 
So, so listen to this. It's something that the Lord is wanting to produce in your life. I, I know, I know I'm not the most beautiful thing in the world, but Adina is. And I want Adina to come up here just a minute. She, um, hey, 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 hey. We're going to take for just a second, and we're going to take the nine gifts of the Spirit and try to put wheels on it. Because this is what God's saying. You want to know what my wheel is? You want to make a mark? Get these going in your life. When I was a kid, I'm going to say this real quick. And when I was a kid, or I was, I was coming into my ministry right at the beginning of the ministry, and there was a lot of guys that were, and they were faith healers, and they were powerful men that use the gifts of the Spirit, and I'm a little guy there, and I'm, I'm just, you know, wet behind the ears, and man, I'm seeing all that, and these mature Christians, and I'm going, and I'm going, okay, God, give me the gifts of the Spirit. I want the gifts of the Spirit. I want to tell people what their name is and what their problems are, and we're going to pray over, God, I mean, it just looked flashy. It looked cool to me. I mean, okay, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just shooting straight with you, and God said, hey, Nathan, I'll give you the gifts of the Spirit when you get the fruit of the Spirit matured in your life. Because you can't handle the gifts until you have the fruit. That's good right there. So I've been working on getting real, real good in the fruit department. And I still got a little ways to go and I don't need you clapping about that. But the first one is love. Love is the first, and it's first for a reason, because there's power. He said above everything, man, love, charity, it's the, it's the kicker, man, it's the big deal. And so the Spirit moves in you, well, I don't really know if it's the will of God for me to love. Oh, no, 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 it's always. You don't, even have, you don't even have to think about it. He wants you to love. What is love? Love is a heartfelt attraction for something else. I love Adina. I have a heartfelt attraction for her. So what's the opposite of love? Watch this. The opposite of love is hate. And, and, the, and another antonym of it is resentment. When I resent Adina, it's the opposite of love. That's why love is not puffed up. So when she's being blessed, I'm going, I love you. I have a heartfelt attraction for you, and I want you to succeed. You see how it's going to even help in your marriage? Because if you're resistant of that, you're resentful, you're pulling against them, you don't want them to see because it might put out your light. Your light was already put out. You need to look back at them and say, I love, I believe in you, I want you to be blessed. And God says, I'm going to mature that in your spirit. I'm not expecting you to have that initially, but it's going to be in the house, and I want to start doing a work. And so I want love to start coming out of, 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 of you in your life. Boom. So, joy is the next one. And joy, a definition of it just means gladness, delight. I mean, that's real simple. I think we all know when we feel joy. The opposite of that is cheerlessness. I don't think I've ever said that word. But in other words, in my terminology, it's just that blah feeling. I think we've all experienced that just without joy. And the difference from the definition biblically to the world's definition, there's not it's the same. I can get glad about this. I can get excited. I can be enthusiastic about something. So, so excited that this is happening. Biblical joy is the same thing. The difference in the two is earthly joy is tied to physical circumstances. It's fleeting. 
Biblical joy is tied to the eternal. That is why when you're going through rough times, that doesn't mean that you're not going to be sad, okay? There's people in here that have suffered things, things that you are sad. You have every right to be. When you're down, things are not going well. I get that. But those are tied to earthly things. But if we can turn and throw that hook, so to speak, into our eternal God, and how do you do that? Studying the Word of God. What is His promises? What are the eternal promises? I have a promise of tomorrow. I have a promise, a hope of tomorrow. I know another thing is He will never leave me. So it's like that underlying fruit that is joy, that it's a constant that it's a constant in your life. Um, the scripture says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Mm. So if the joy of the Lord is my strength, in times that are really bad, I need to lean into that. I need to really nourish that. I need to water that because I need that joy to give me strength in the trial. So I encourage you today, if you're going through a rough time or you know, log this back for later on in life, when you go through rough times, lean into that joy. You can loose it in your life. That doesn't mean you're going to go through, you know, life going, ah, okay, everything bad's happening, but I'm just going to smile. No, but there's an underlying joy because that is your strength. So cultivate that. Cultivate that. All right. And somebody say, God, God. I'm holding you to the contract. I'm holding you to the contract. That you want me to have joy. That you want me to have joy. Boom. The next one is peace. Peace. The opposite of peace, the, one of the antonyms of peace, and I chose this one because it really explains it well, is war. When I first read that, I, I wanted to go with fear, and fear is, yeah, definitely an opposite of it. But one of the antonyms was war, and it just jumped out of me because I began to think when I'm at war in my mind, and I'm at war against God, and when I'm at war with others, I'm without, is that good? I'm, I'm without peace. And, but in, in peace, listen to this, we are in a right relationship with God and you're not at war. You're not at war with God anymore in your spirit. As long as you're on this side, those first things that I read, that he says over here, as long as you're in this world over here that I was reading about, man, you're at war and you... You're fighting and you're pulling against God. and you're, But all of a sudden, God's saying, I want my spirit to come in, my fruit to come in. It's my will of God that you have peace in your life. And all of a sudden, I get over here and I go, whew, peace, peace. We're at peace with him, and therefore we can have peacefulness in our lives. Look at Philippians chapter 4, one of my favorite verses. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, uh-oh, what? By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, sounds like a lot of that verse that we read earlier, present your request to God. Here, God, I'm, uh, I'm holding you the contract here, buddy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. God, now listen, I'm holding you the contract, I'm praying about it, I'm seeking you, I'm holding you the contract, and this is what I'm going to say, God, and the peace of God which passes all of my understanding, all of my comprehension, 
What happens? What happens? Look at here. Where you've been having war, where you've been having war, watch what it says. And the peace of God that passes all your understanding, watch this, will guard your Heart and mind. So where you've been having war, God says, when you lean into me, I'm going to put a guard up right there. And the guard's going to help you with your mind and your thinking. He's going to help you with your passions and your desires. And you're no longer going to be in war. And when you're not in war, that peacefulness based on your faith in God and you're knowing that the God who loves you is sitting on a sovereign throne in heaven over the, u- over the universe and all is well with my soul. Job, curse God and die. Shaved his head. Worship God. How do you do that? My joy, my peace is not circumstantial, but it goes deep, deep, deep in in that. Go ahead. Patience is the definition of that is long-suffering. We hear that word used, but what does it really mean? I'm not talking about patience like in Walmart and, you know, you're driving down the road and having patience for that person that's on their phone and don't go at the red light, you know, and you miss the red. I'm not talking about that kind of patience. The patience, although if you get this patience, it will spill over into that. But this definition of patience is the ability to wait on God. The ability to wait on God. The opposite of that is restlessness. You know that feeling you get. You know, it's like, when is this going to come to be? When is this going to happen? And it's just that restlessness. So, In our world that we live in, you know, everything is instant. You know, like, not only can I go to Starbucks and get a cup of coffee, now I have an app on my phone that I can order my Starbucks, and when I walk in, it's already fixed. I don't even have to pay. I mean, I pay it on my phone. I just walk in and grab it and go. That is what we as Christians, I won't say y'all. This is what Adina deals with. I want it now. I want the problem to be over. I want everything to be solved, and, and I prayed about it. Now let's do it, God. That's not how it works. When studying this, I was really convicted because if you would have asked me like two weeks ago, I would have said, I'm just not a patient person. That is just not a patient person. Then when I was studying this, I was like, oh, well, you're really telling a lot about yourself when you say you're not a patient person. I'm basically saying, God's given me this fruit, and I've just kind of buried it, and I'm like letting everything else come around, and I'm telling on myself when I say that. So I declared and made a declaration to God that I will no longer say that because I want him to cultivate that. But then I've also heard, oh, don't pray for patience. Don't, don't pray for that. Trials are going to come if you pray for that. I mean, I grew up hearing a wise lady that I really trusted said, Adina, don't pray for patience. And I was like, why? Oh, trials are going to come if you pray for patience. I thought. It was like fear to me. Yeah. I thought fear was not of God. It's not of God. Oh. <laughs> So in this, that doesn't mean that trials are going to come, but if you've been alive for more than 10 years, trials come. Trials come. Even 10-year-olds go through trials. I mean, I'm 50. I've gone through a few in my life. There's still stuff going on in my life. So in my prayer time this week, I can't do it for you, but I bound restlessness in my spirit, and I lose the spirit of patience in my life. So whatever you're going through, 
You know, and I understand that we don't always know the end result. Example, my mother has been sick off and on for 50 years. Have I prayed for a miracle? Absolutely. Do I believe God can do it? Absolutely. I believe in healing. But for some reason, God has not chosen to heal her. So you know what? I have prayed, and I am losing patience in this journey. I don't, I don't know what that will is. I don't. I really don't. I wish, but that's not something I get to know. I don't have a crystal ball that tells me the end of that. But I do have the promise that it is his will for me to walk in peace at all times. So I pray you would lose patience and trusting in him. Patience is, is basically trusting in him in the journey. So whatever you're going through today, I pray that you would lose patience in the journey. Pray over this congregation right now and loose that whole God of the contract in their life. God, I pray right now for whatever situation is going on in anyone's life, whatever trial life has brought on them, God, whether it's on their own accord or things that have happened in this life. First of all, God, I pray that they would look to you, throw their lifeline to you, God, that they would be hooked in with you because the promises you have are eternal and that is where our joy comes from. But God, in Give them and lose the patience in this journey, whatever it is, God. Because if we have the patience, then we will trust. And when we trust, we can rest. Not restlessness, but we can rest. So I pray this week, even when they feel the spirit of restlessness coming upon them, God, that they would turn to you and say, God, you promise you, it is your will for me to have patience in this. Loose this in my life and loose it in Jesus' name, I in pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The next is kindness and goodness. Kindness and goodness. What is the opposite of kindness and goodness? Mean-spirited. The opposite of goodness? Wickedness. Kindness is sweet, humble, quiet. I don't mean that you can't ever talk. I don't mean that. But a meek, meek spirit, quiet and loving. Goodness, goodness touches where the heart is. But the hurt is. Goodness touches, kindness has a, a good word, but goodness touches where the hurt is. Let me give you a biblical example. Look at Jesus. The leper came to Jesus. Nobody will touch the leper. Everybody hates the leper. They're scared. They're fearful of the leper. They have him outside of the camp. Jesus goes to him, and the leper says to this to Jesus. He says, Lord, if you're willing, can you make me clean? First of all, people are saying, Jesus, don't even talk to him. Don't even talk to him. And Jesus says, with kindness, watch this, this is kindness, I am willing, be clean. But watch this, this is goodness. He reaches out and touches him. There's kindness and goodness in that point right there. Next, gentleness. Gentleness, another word for that is meekness. And in our day and time, that sounds like weakness. When I say, if I was to say, so-and-so is a meek person, your first response would probably be, mm, they're a little weak. That is not what this word means at all. Uh, gentleness or meekness is actually, I love this definition, it is strength under control. Isn't that a cool definition of gentleness and meekness? Strength under control. Now, the opposite is obvious, outburst of anger, desire for revenge, so gentleness, simply putting, put, put it this way, is having the strength to do something or having the knowledge about something, yet 
keeping it under control. So I hear information, gossip is what we call it. I hear gossip, and I have the control, I have the ability to hurt someone with my words. I have the ability to destroy someone with my words, but I choose to go, I'm not going to do this. Lord, let the gentleness come in. Some of you have strength to do things. I'm going to withhold from that. I'm going to have gentleness in my life. In other words, learning to control the destructive instincts that prevent one from living in harmony with others. I thought that was really good. So it's a destructive instincts that prevent one from living in harmony with others. Um, I'm a counselor, and I do sometimes, it's not my favorite thing to do, but I do anger management, and that's really interesting because you usually get these big old guys coming in, not always, but sometimes, and I'm going, oh, dear God, please don't let me make them mad. (laughs) Because I've got it, I'm in a room with them by myself, and I'm going, Oh Lord, in your court word to be here, and I've got to teach you how to keep your anger under control. God help me. But I wish on some of those cases I could just bring them to the altar and say, Look, be filled with the Spirit. Mm. And when you're filled, God's going to plant something in you, Mm. and then come back to me, and we can walk out how you can put this under control, how you can have gentleness in your life. Now, there's some of people, and I've heard this before, said, well, you know, my daddy had an anger problem, my grandpa had an anger problem, so I'm just, I'm just an angry person. Well, then you had met my daddy, because my daddy will give you the ability to control that. Whether you cultivate it or not, it's up to you. But God will give you the ability. He's already placed it in you when you're filled with the Spirit. I have a personal story on this that I'll share. My grandfather lived in Kuntz and Maryville, all those kind of places. And um, I've heard stories about my papa that he was a drunkard. My dad would have to go pull him out sometimes of bar rooms, out in the, they'd find him in the woods and just drunk, mean, like, Almost killed somebody one time. I mean, he was a mean man. He was so mean that he pulled my grandmother, she was at a church, at an altar, okay, and walked in and yanked her up and pulled her out of the church. So he was mean. When he was filled with the Spirit, he allowed the fruit of the Spirit to activate in his life. And when I say he was one of the most gentle men, there are people in this place that know him, and they would say he was just such a kind and gentle man. But before Christ, he wasn't. But he allowed God to work in him and completely change his life through the gentleness. So I encourage you today, if anger is an issue, then let the Spirit spring up within you. Let it be cultivated. You have to cultivate it. It's not just going to be... You know, I pray that God would loose all this in your life, and I, I want it to be loose in mine, but it's not just a magic peel that goes, okay. It's not like the jack and the beanstalk. You can just plant the bean, and the next day it'll all be completely done. No, you have to cultivate it. You have to, whatever, you, what are you thinking on? Whatsoever things are true, lovely, a good report, think on these things. That is what's going to cultivate and water that fruit to make it grow. So get in the Word of God. Get in a relationship with God and let the gentleness take over. Next is faithfulness. We're almost through. Hang in, baby. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. What is the opposite of faithfulness? Disloyalty. What, are, what, what is the enemy? Has, has he come across the line of that? In there? There's, you can't hardly find people that are loyal anymore. 
You, you can't already find people, if you're an owner of a business, you can't already find people that work with you that are loyal. Why? Enemy has went past God's contract that, that he wants people to have faithfulness in their life. And we're fighting and wrestling with that. And he's saying this church is the one that's got to hold the standard, if I can say, of, of that. And bring that back and say, God, I'm asking faithfulness to be in the house. Faithfulness is being committed to what you're committed to. It's letting your no's be no's and your yes be yeses. It's standing up. That's why uh, being in, in the Christian life, even, even faithfulness in attending the house of God. I've, I've, I've heard it recently. Some of my buddies are starting churches. And they're telling them that people generally come to church once a month. People. That's, there's no loyalty. You talk to the people, uh, the grandparents and, and uh, of the, uh, the people, and they're going, man, we were at the church every time the doors are open. The difference is, is the enemy is coming across that line, and that's not the will of God. And we as the church has to stand up, but you have to do it for yourself and your house. And it's not easy when it's raining on Sunday morning and Sister Pilla is singing. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to go, hey, family, let's get up. We're going the house of God. I understand that's tough, but faithfulness says, I'm going to serve my God. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to, I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to tell you, by the way, I want to say this church must be something different because you people are some of the most faithful people in all of the world. You are faithful to the house of God, and you, you get up, you come to the house of God. Christianity I'm not saying this is biblical, but I'm saying Christianity is, uh, Christianity is built to be a thing that we go to church every week to get filled up. That, that 52 weeks out of the year we come in. That doesn't mean we don't miss for vacation. and That doesn't mean we, we miss for, for, for sickness. But I mean, you, other than that, man, you get up and you go, bro, I'm getting to the house of God. I'm faithful, faithful, faithful. And you know what? You don't have to pray about that if it's God's will or not. It's, it's His will for you to be faithful. It's His will for you to be faithful. And last but definitely not least is self-control. The opposite of self-control is self-indulgence. Self-indulgence. With self-control, a person knows when to, when to stop. They're like, oh, there's the boundary line. I'm going to stop. I know I'm supposed to stop here. They don't, they don't talk too much. They don't eat too much. They don't sleep too much. And if I could say it this way, they don't get addicted to the honey of life. They eat a little honey because honey's good, sweet. But they don't eat so much to the point they vomit. And there's a boundary line. God wants you to have honey. He wants you to have blessings around you. But you can get intoxicated with the blessings. I was thinking this morning, and this back to faithfulness, but I was thinking this morning, I stood at my window and said, oh God, would you please wake them up? Bring them to church because it's sure a sleepy morning. And then when it's real sunshiny, I'm going, dear God, do all of them have to go to the lake today? 
the point of the matter is, it's just got to be in here. And there's nothing wrong with honey. He just don't want you to be absorbed with it. I invite some people to the church sometime and they go, oh, Sunday's my only day off. And that's the day I always do. Boom. And what it is, is, is I don't have time for God because I'm so intoxicated with self-indulgence. And so, no one to stop. And basically what I'm saying is this, it's always the will of God that you live a balanced life by the power of His Spirit. I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to shoot straight with you. Today ends our 21 days of fasting and prayer and all this kind of stuff. And this is what I prayed going in my 21 days of prayer. It was right here. It was right here. And that is this, God, i got to get balanced. I gotta get balance. I'm out of I'm out of balance. I'm out of balance. I need you to balance me physically, because that's I'm, I've been really un, unbalanced physically. God, I gotta I gotta get balanced physically, and I'm working hard on it. I joined a gym this week, and if you just join the gym, it makes things better. But God, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna work on myself. I gotta get balanced there, physically, emotionally, emotionally. Balance me emotionally, spiritually, spiritually, financially. It's your will, God. It's your will. For 21 days, he's been working on this, and I can see a difference in me. I can see a difference in me. My wife can see a difference in me. I'm more stable emotionally. That's the will of God. More stable physically. Just, just starting on the, it's the will of God. And now I close with this. Paul says, verse 23. He said, by the way, I want to tell you, all of this fruit stuff that he just talked about, there's no law against that. Get all you want, baby. Get that up in your life. Let it grow. Let it mature. Against such, there is no law. Get some love and joy and then peace and long-suffering and gentleness and kindness and goodness. And get all that you can possibly get because it's going to make life sweeter, sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. I'm going to make it sweet.